Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. And I'm Peter. And we are doing episode today number 124. And so 124th podcast today, Better Pleasure Podcast, Sex, Love, Lust, Life, Bible. Yes, we are Christian pastors that love to talk about pornography and how it relates to the Bible and all the wonderful topics that come up when it comes to sex, sexuality, and sensuality and culture um, and how it uh, all is intertwined, it seems like. Today we're going to have talk a little more about an article that we started two podcasts ago. And this article was by Professor Robert Jensen, who now is a retired professor. So I don't know what they're called after they retired. But uh, this article was called Pornography, Doing the Worst to Women, Bringing Out the Worst in Men. And so this was featured on uh, this website, uh, countercurrents.org. And um, yeah, so there you go. It seems like it's a kind of a all-encompassing news uh, site uh, where people um, contribute, and he is a contributor. And so he wants to talk about the centrality of the feminist critique to understanding pornography. So that's really what he's getting at is the centrality of the feminist critique to understanding pornography. And in in context to a larger feminist critique of sexual exploitation and men's violence, I emphasize this for three reasons. And his first reason was there are feminists who defend and even celebrate pornography industry. So he is trying to refute people who um, are pro-pornography in the feminist movement. And he basically... And what our podcast was mostly about was this idea that the industry's business model will never be uh, will never promote expression that is consistent with human flourishing. And so um, he basically, if you wanted to know more about what we thought about that human flourishing and and um, you have to check out the prior podcast podcast. which was a hundred and what <laughs> twenty something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't last one. It was the one before last one. Right. Whatever that one was. <laughs> so his second uh, um, uh, reasoning, he says, uh, for speaking about the centrality of the feminist critique um, uh, to understand pornography is there are other critics of pornography who work from a conservative and religious framework. So this is what we would know. Right. So he's talking to people that work in churches, uh, faith based organizations that are anti porn and they, um, you know, are coming at it from this religious point of view. And he says, while there may be there, while there are, he says, some shared values and similar arguments made by feminist and conservative critiques. The feminist analysis is part of a larger challenge and resistance to patriarchy, a system of institutionalized male dominance. There's a lot there. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what is on your own mind when you hear that statement? Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely curious to see where he goes with that. But um, 
essentially what I think he's going to say, I'm going to gamble here <laughs> at the risk of sounding uh, ignorant. But what I think he's going to say is that while Christian conservatives would agree with him on being opposed to pornography in the porn industry, we are in disagreement with him when it comes to the idea of the patriarchy. So while he would find us allies for this cause, I don't think he would find us allies for any other cause or even think that if we succeeded that the country would be a better place because we'd be upholding the patriarchy, which is where pornography comes from in the first place. Yeah, so, and, and that's a good, I think, summation right there. Um, we'll we'll kind of drill down a little more as the podcast keeps going. So stay with us. We just keep getting better as we get going, man, huh? Yeah, but uh, a real quick definition of what he's calling the patriarchy. For those of you guys who have maybe heard that word and you're wondering what the heck does that mean. Uh, so patriarchy actually is one of couple a couple words that are used to describe male and female relations. Uh, patriarchy, matriarchy, egalitarianism, and complementarianism. Those are the main words. Uh, patriarchy is the idea that men and women are at core the same type of thing, meaning we're the same type of species, and therefore you can compare us across the board. And patriarch people who believe in patriarchy think, well, men are better. Uh, men check more boxes, men are stronger, men are uh, statistically going to be holding more of the important roles like CEOs, politicians, things like that, engineers. We need men, uh, we need masculinity, it's just more important to our, to our society. And so therefore, men should have more prerogatives and rights than women. Uh, that's the idea of the patriarchy. And in patriarchal societies, the men run everything, right? So it's going to be the father's going to be the head of the house and all the politicians, all the CEOs, all the bosses, everyone at the top of the, the heap when it comes to the dominance hierarchy is going to be male because that's the idea of patriarchy, male run. There are still a lot of cultures today that, that are patriarchal. Uh, all Muslim cultures are patriarchal. In, in nature. They fundamentally believe that women are inferior to men and therefore women have fewer rights than men. You cannot be the ruler of a nation if you are uh, in a Muslim nation and you're a woman. Uh, a lot of Muslim nations won't let you to be educated if you're a woman. Uh, the witness of a woman is worth half that of the man in all Islamic societies. These are some examples, but patriarchal societies have been throughout human history, they've been the most prevalent. But then there's another type of society that we would call matriarchal, and it's the same basic principle, but it just flips it the other way. Men and women are the same type of being, and therefore you can compare them across the board, but women are better. The feminine quality is superior and greater to the male quality, and so therefore women should run everything. Uh, there are some Tibetan cultures and Native American cultures that follow this kind of role, where the women were the tribal elders, and things like that. I could get into why these specific societies chose feminism as opposed to masculinity as being the role for their society, but I'm not going to right now. Just the basic idea is that women are better than men and therefore women should have superior roles to men. First wave feminism, uh, some were egalitarian, but a lot more were actually feminists. They were matriarchal. Uh, and in fact, a lot of feminists today are matriarchal. They'd say the world would be a whole lot better if women ran things, right? It's time that women ran stuff. So the idea there is that women are superior to men and therefore they should run everything. Uh, egalitarianism is newer 
Uh, we're the first society, to my knowledge, that's really tried to implement this. Uh, egalitarianism is the idea that men and women are exactly the same. Uh, not only are the we, we the same type of being, and therefore we can com be compared across the board, but there are no measurable differences between male and female. Uh, every quality that you could uh, put in a male is also in a female, and that's why the whole transgender issue has taken root so heavily in our society, because the idea of if men and women are exactly the same and interchangeable, then it's really not a big deal if a man says he's a woman. Then he is a woman, because there's no real discernible differences between men and women, including biological ones, which is interesting. Uh, complementarianism is the only one that is outside of those boxes, and to my knowledge, Judeo-Christianity uh, Judeo is the only worldview that holds to it. Complementarianism, is, uh, complementarianism says that men and women are not the same type of being, that we are fundamentally different, and therefore we cannot be compared across the board. Uh, it's like comparing apples to oranges. However, within the idea, because if you say, well, if we're not the same type of being, doesn't that mean that one being is greater than the other? Well, no, because Christians are Trinitarianism. Uh, I'm sorry, we're Trinitarians. And that means that we believe in God, who has multiple different persons that each have a hierarchical role within the Godhead and subordinate to one another, and yet are equal in kind as well as in substance, essence, power, dignity, and rights. This is translated into mankind because we're made in God's image. So while the Son can't really be compared to the Father across the board, and the role of the Son can't be compared to the Father across the board, the Son and the Father remain equal in dignity, power, and essence. In the same way with men and women, you can't really take the traits that make a good man and translate them and say, therefore men are better, or therefore men and women are the same. We would say, no, 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 the traits that make a good man are fundamentally different than the traits that would make a good woman. Uh, we are different from one another, but we are complementary to one another. So we're equal in form, dignity, respect, and essence, but we are unequal, or we're different, in our attributes, our natural God-given attributes and roles within society as a whole. Okay, so those are th that was a great uh, kind of dictionary for us of four <laughs> things. And so hopefully you understand what is being talked about now when Robert Jensen uses this word patriarchy. Now, what I find interesting is it says the feminist analysis is part of a larger challenge and resistance to patriarchy. Meaning the, f the kind of feminism that Robert Jensen has been educated predominantly in and promotes is one of resistance mm. and it's one of resisting something and what's interesting to me about this is if you're if the whole uh, kind of the dominating purpose of your group is resistance then you will always find something to resist because that is the dominant activity of the ideology yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, the, the name Satan means adversary, adversary. <laughs> or one who is opposed. And there's a reason why Satan can't create anything. <laughs> right. Because you can't really create anything or do anything better when your whole identity is wrapped up in being in opposition to something. <laughs> right? right. And I think that's the problem that these people are falling into as well. Yeah, it's an in it's an interesting kind of. Uh, primary reason that he gives that the main point of feminism that he's subscribing to and promoting is one of resistance. Mm. It's one of saying no and uh, and fighting right. something. And Which I would I would definitely respect 
uh, I would disagree, but I would definitely respect more these intellectuals if they didn't identify themselves that way. Meaning if, instead of saying like, I'm against the patriarchy, I would rather them say, I am for the matriarchy, right? If they said that, I would be like, okay, well, now we can talk, right? We could have some sort of a disagreement and we could talk about, you know, why, why should women, why are women better, like uh, uh, generally better than men? And why should they be in positions of power? And why should have men? I mean, I'm sorry, why should men have fewer rights and dignities bestowed upon them on the basis of that? And it's good that you, you, you do that, because logically what you're doing is you're saying, hey, if they're resisting the patriarchy, well, the opposite of patriarchy, or the antithesis of it, is matriarchy. Right. So what you're doing is saying, hey, if they're saying they're resisting patriarchy, then that must be that they're pro-matriarchy. That's right. And then, then it asks the question, what makes you think that there isn't going to be a group resisting the matriarchy right, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, you know it's like yeah. uh you're just gonna f are we just flipping everything right you know and is that the answer right and there's another interesting thing i don't know if robert jensen gets into this but um i'd be curious to see his views on it but let me just put it this way thomas Sowell, who's a famous economist he calls it cosmic justice and what he means by that is that the people today who are opposing male rights uh, or, or opposing uh, white privileges and white power, things like that, they're opposing them specifically to even cosmic odds, meaning because white men have done so much oppressing in the past, the way that we even the odds is by now oppressing white men. So we have to lift up anyone who's not a white man and allow them to be in positions of power and to disenfranchise white males, and that evens the odds. Again, no one talks like that. No one says that. But you can easily see it in what they're proposing, that that is what they're saying. Yeah, comic ju uh, cosmic justice. Cosmic justice, which yeah. is different. Like I said, it's very different than someone saying, no, the reason why men should be disenfranchised is not because of cosmic justice, not because they've disenfranchised others, but because I genuinely believe that men are inferior to women. That would be different. And again, I would I would definitely respect someone a lot more if they just said that. Yeah, because it sounds when you say like when you say, hey, I resist the patriarchy. Right. Um, it sounds so good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you grow up and you're listening to, you know, your your uh, Danzig or you're listening to your, you know, your punk music or whatever it is. And it sounds so like I'm resisting. Right. You know, but. You you don't really look at think of logically about maybe what you're for, right? And is it really logically consistent? Is right. it really is it really better? Yeah. You know what you're proposing, and that's and that's the key and why people don't like to define what they're actually supporting because then they undergo criticism. So anyone could be a critic, right? Anyone could look at something and say that's bad. I don't like that, and they could pull something apart. And when it comes to human politics and human society. It's not hard to do, right? It's not difficult for me to look at any society on the planet and start poking holes in it because it's made up of fallen, sinful human beings who are doing really evil and jacked up stuff. Uh, but when you propose a new solution, then you undergo the same type of criticism because then people could look at your ideas and say, well, why is that better? And then there's actually a debate. It's far easier, and this is why most teenagers are in that rebellious phase, it's far easier to just look at what's wrong with the world and hate than it is to say, I can do better and let me show you my plan and let's see which one is actually better. That is, that takes a lot more guts. 
Yeah, it definitely. I always th I think of like putting it just down a grassroots thing. Like I resist playing baseball. Like that's what I'm against. Or right. I'm a resist. I'm resisting. You know, um, learning basketball. Right. You know. Uh, well, w you know, what does that mean? Right. You know, what are you doing? Right. Um, does it mean you you never touch a basketball? Right. Does it mean you know you're you're not going to watch any basketball? Um, and does that you know, does it mean you don't do anything? You don't watch anything or you don't play with anything? Right. Like, what does it really mean? So it'd be, it'd be much, I, I like, uh, uh, I think Ben Shapiro is kind of a good example on this where, you know, he's classically trained violinist mm -hmm. and he's opposed to rap music. He doesn't like rap music. And people have asked him about it. And instead of doing like the patent thing of just saying, well, it's just, you know, my subjective opinion. I don't really like it. It just doesn't do anything for me. Kind of like the idea of, well, I'm opposed to it. Instead, he says, he like gives all these musical reasons as to why rap music is inferior to ever other modes of music. So he's like, I'm not saying that you can't personally enjoy it. He's just saying, objectively, it isn't as artistically pleasing or aesthetically good as these other modes of music. And so he'll like go down it. That would be a good example of this. He's not just opposed to something. He is actually for something else. He is saying these things are actually better and these are my reasons for why that yeah so he says um then he also the feminist analysis is part of a lar larger challenge to institutionalized male dominance mm. and this world this word institutionalized has become quite popular with um the recent talks about critical race theory yeah. institutionalized racism it's funny when you go on youtube and you click you know these you know is uh these videos of people being asked hey is there institutionalized racism they're like uh-huh <laughs> you know everybody's just like sure <laughs> yeah yeah you know did um, you watch that video I oh you <laughs> did dude that was so good <laughs> okay so peter sends me a video of this guy who goes up to all these white people in San Francisco and he and he and he's and he's asking them like about um you know health about why are why are people fat not just why are people fat but why are people with black skin fat and and and, and it's so funny because they're they're just like oh well it's cuz it's there you know he's like do you do you think it's attributed to institutionalized racism and they're like yes <laughs> and he's like so and he's like he's like so they really don't have like a, a choice in the matter huh it's just and they're like no and 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 people were like saying to this guy well you know black people don't have like uh opportunities to get uh healthy food like they don't have whole foods you know where black people live <laughs> I mean, it was just like, and I'm just <laughs> listening to this go. Now, now uh, I have I have a daughter who went to high school in downtown. Uh, I mean, in close to downtown San Francisco, right there on California Street. And um, so, you know, I I know this town, and um, I've had a brother who li he's lived there for 30 years, and I'm just rolling li watching it because I'm just like, ouch, you know. And, and these people think they they're they're sounding somewhat good because <laughs> yeah. they're resisting yeah. the man they're in, they 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 fighting institutionalized racism you know and then the person goes to harlem <laughs> <laughs> and and he stands in front of the whole foods in <laughs> harlem which there is a whole foods
<laughs> and that was so awesome. And he's asking all these people that happen to have more melanin in their skin, <laughs> so they are black, and are what we call black. Um, even you know, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's so great. He's like, now, do you guys have a choice, like, of what you eat? And they're li- <laughs> all these people are looking at him like, what? <laughs> I, I just love. I thought it was great. And they're like, yeah, we got a choice. And he's like, well, why do, you, why do you think like, um, you know, black people are fat? And and they're like, well, it's probably because we eat a lot. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, do you th- do you attribute anything to institutionalized racism? He's like, no. <laughs> they're all saying no. They're all saying they got free choice. They all got to choose what they want. He's like, but do you think that I- the interviewer goes, do, well, do you think that you know putting the cookies in, in the front, like by the door? Do you think that's, you know, institutionalized racism? And the guy's out, no, that's, that's just good marketing. <laughs> He's like, he knows, we, he knows we're going to eat it. <laughs> I know there's so many good quotes of that one. <laughs> it's such a good video. But it, it, it's yeah. like that too. It's just the institutionalized male dominance. Right. And this know? is, this goes into the underpinning philosophy. So the idea is if men and women are exactly the same, right or women are superior to men uh whichever one robert jensen takes either way if women are succeeding at a rate that is lesser than men when it comes to things like uh engineering politics uh and being bosses in various businesses athletics athletics if there is some sort of a disparity in the outcome that's happening between male and female that must be institutionalized institutionalized because there's no other explanation as to why women wouldn't be succeeding at the same rate as men or even uh, going above and beyond men, their male counterparts, if it wasn't for some sort of an institutionalized patriarchy. Yeah, I want to look up institutionalized, institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That was an old song by um, Suicidal Tendencies. And um, I got to look up the words (laughs) to see if it has any bearing on this. Yeah, yeah, just to see what it says. Sometimes I try to do things and I just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated and like I try hard to do it. Now this is a punk song. It's just like <laughs> it's just like junk, 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 junk. It's really grungy, and, but it's a punk band. And it says, "I like, I like take my time, but I just doesn't work out the way I want to." You can see there's a lot of words, a lot of in, insight into this. And it says, <laughs> "It's like I concentrate on it real hard, but it just doesn't work out in everything I do and everything I try. It never turns out." It's like I need time to figure things out, but there's always something going wrong. Hey, Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? (laughs) You should maybe get away, and, like, maybe you should talk about it and and make you feel better. And I I go, no, it's okay, you know? I'll figure it out. Just leave me alone. (laughs) I'll figure it out, you know? And he says, I'm just working on myself. And they go, well, you know, if you want to talk about it, I'll be here. And you'll probably feel a lot better if you talk about it. So why don't you talk about it? <laughs> and I go, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm okay. I'll figure it out. But they just keep bugging me. And they just keep bugging me. And it builds up inside. And then the chorus goes, 
Um, so you're gonna be institutionalized. You'll come out brainwashed with bloodshot eyes. <laughs> you won't have any say. They'll brainwash you until they see their way. And he talks about himself going into an institution. <laughs> so when you think of institutionalized, you know, back when I was young, you know, when I thought of institutionalized, I thought of someone who was like forced into some kind of you know, mental institution, right. you know, that that's what it is. And you could tell that I'm a product of my generation because I just read suicidal tendencies to you. <laughs> and, uh, but you could see that that's how they thought about, about right. it. If you were institutionalized, you were put into this, this paradigm right. where you didn't have any rights, anything, you couldn't do anything. You and, and so when you use the word institutionalized, right. Many people think, like, they hear that word, it's like a trigger word. Right. Right? That makes you go, oh, the, m you know, patriarchy, you know, institutionalized male dominance. Right. Means women have no opportunity. Right. Are so they are, inst you know, it they're done. They're being held down. Yeah. They're being oppressed. So uh, here's where the theory comes from. And I, I could quote different people, but let me just give you their basic ideas and you just have to take my word that this is what they actually say <laughs> so uh, essentially here's the idea if an institution is built like any institution uh, a cafeteria a school a library right a courthouse right all these are institutions that i could build if i build an institution that institution is naturally going to be designed by whatever group is dominant and they will naturally design it to benefit them and to dispossess others. So for instance, if a bunch of white guys come together and they're like, let's create a justice system, let's create an institutionalized judicial system, whatever system that they're gonna make is going to be made with a slant to benefit them and to disadvantage people who aren't white males. And so when people look at America, they're like, well, every institution in America was started by white males. So therefore, every institution is slanted, it's designed to benefit white males and to disadvantage anyone else. That's the idea. So that's kind of like baked into the cake. And that, that's why it's very important to understand when someone says critical race theory, uh, or these different gender ideologies or the patriarchy, and they're, they're talking about institutions, you have to understand this is not a theory like uh, a normal theory where in science where you come up with a hypothesis and then it's a theory and then you test it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something like germ theory. Uh, when I say germ theory, I'm not talking about something that hasn't been proven yet. Everyone agrees that germ theory is real. What I mean when I say germ theory is it's a lens you put over your eyes and you see the world different. This is a way to make sense of your reality. When people are talking about patriarchal, institutionalized oppression and institutionalized racism, they're not saying this is a theory that we're workshopping. We don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, it's a lens. It's, it's a lens. It's like, no, now you understand, right? And that's why that video is ridiculous. If you're watching it and you're saying, you're like, this is ridiculous, but that's the lens that these people are wearing. They're wearing a lens. If there's anything dis disproportionate between white and black people, then there has it must have its roots in the institutions. 
because that's how they look at them. They're slanted to benefit white people. Mm -hmm. um, and that means, this is why people who are proponents of critical race theory say that by definition, your default is to be racist if you're white, because you're growing up in this white institutionalized system and you're benefiting from it. And same with men. You would say, uh, someone like Robert Jensen would say, you're bent towards being patriarchy, right? You're bent towards being uh, a male chauvinist because you're growing up in this chauvinistic society that's dispossessing women, and you need to do the work you're to unlearn that. Yeah, and I think the way you approach someone who's talking like that is you have to help them see their presuppositions. Right. And that is, you're presupposing things. You're presupposing everything that's built by someone with a skin color is somehow uh, doing it with a idea of of not it not benefiting someone who's got a different skin color. Right. Um, and and that presuppositions is is that's the basis for everything that they're talking about. Right. But can you quantify that? No. Can you, can <laughs> no, you, can't. Can you quantify <laughs> that everything that has been built has been built by people with the same exact chemical m of melanin right. in their skin? Right. See, it, it falls apart biologically, right, so fast. Right. Because what is the uh, amount, the percentage of amount of melanin in your skin as opposed to my skin? Right. And, and if there's a difference, well, then we're not the same. Right. And and so therefore, let's do a measurement of John, you know, Hancock's, you know, uh, his melanin. Let's yeah. look at George <laughs> Washington's melanin. Let's look at, <laughs> and if you have any deciphering difference of melanin, then guess what? They're different. Right. That's the definition of difference. Yeah. And uh, someone know? said this is a joke, but they're like, well, if that's true, then you'd expect albinos to be running the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have the least, they have the least melanin in their skin of anyone else. So it's obviously a joke, but you know, right. you, I still hope you see the point. Yeah. But a rate, you know, that's why, you know, someone like Robert Jensen, you couldn't actually point, say you couldn't look at him and say, point to the law that is designed to dispossess women point to the law that is designed to push down women and to keep them from succeeding. Show me where it is. They can't do that, but what they will say is they'll say, well, you know, there's no law, but the institutions themselves, right? The, in other words, the institu institution doesn't have to have a law in order for the institution to be bent because the foundation is jacked up. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so. ab ab absolutely. <laughs> um, so institutionalized, Male dominance. Now, I think what's also presupposed, uh, which is interesting in him saying, hey, this feminist analysis is part of this challenge. So this pornography, this feminist uh, critique of pornography is of a larger challenge of resistance to patriarchy, which is a definition of difference between male and female. Right. Um, you, you can't have a difference between male and female and use the term patriarchy. Right. If you're using the word patriarchy, you're obviously assuming there's something different between male and females. Right. And he also uses the word male, male dominance. Right. So he obviously is assuming that there is... Men are a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is a such thing as a man, and you can see what they are, right? You can actually quantify them. Right. So so we get from his writing anyway that he does agree that there are males right. and there are females. 
uh, biologically. Right. And so any argument that would say, hey, we are the same, he would probably have to say, well, no, not in every way. Right. Right. And um, so let's go on. It says, third, it is important for men to support a critique of pornography based in feminism. An increasing number of men are rejecting the use of pornography because of the negative effects on their own sexual imaginations and sexual lives, especially when they are caught in addictive like life like patterns. So he just makes that mention. Uh, I think uh, we'll go on. <laughs> says this self-awareness is a positive development. Actually, before you go on, yeah. I do want to mention that. I do appreciate that he said addictive-like mm -hmm. um, as opposed to saying addiction. Uh, I think me and you harp on this a lot. But yeah. we, have, we have a major problem with people who say that pornography is an addiction in the same way that heroin is an addiction. Yeah, so he, he, he's reading. I mean, he, he's up on his reading. He, right. He's definitely thinking of this. Um, and uh, there's no doubt he knows David Lay, Dr. David Lay, and his work on, uh, 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 on very pro-porn, against porn addiction ideology in psychology. And I would imagine he's very up on that. Right. And so it says, this self-awareness is a positive development, but only the first step. Men have a responsibility to join a feminist movement that puts the harm to women and children at the center of a critique of pornography. So it's a very old argument, right? The idea of a, a oppression, uh, women oppression, and um, and that the best way to go about this is by joining the feminist movement. Right. And so here you kind of see the um, the purpose of what he's doing. So in other words, the purpose of what he's doing is not to go at the porn industry or to help regulate pornography in some meaningful way or even shut it down in some meaningful way. The purpose is to push up feminism and one way to push up feminism is to attack this area so in other words this is just a means to a greater end yeah and it reminds me so much of the uh alcohol um um you know banning alcohol back a hundred years ago right you know that whole movement you know when you can't when you can't get something passed through uh you know legislatively through um you know, one area like back then with alcohol, it was this is a moral, horrible action of alcohol, you know, consumption in the country. Right. And we got kids consuming alcohol on massive levels and all of our men are drunk and depressed and blah, blah, blah. They couldn't pass really anything based off of, of a moral, having a moral stance. So they, of course, come in through another avenue, and that is through the idea of health care. Um, you know, and so through the healthcare movement, you know, things get passed, you know, so I kind of see that here that it's like instead of just saying, hey, you know, pornography is morally wrong. Right. Or something like that. It's it's saying, hey, you know, really, really, it's it's not so much that is the main target. The main target is that there's an patriarchy. Yeah, the <laughs> patriarchy. There's yeah. a male dominance. Right. That's happening now. Um, obviously, uh, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of, this is kind of a little bit dated. It feels like sometimes, um, when it comes to pornography, meaning what date, what Jensen's talking about seems a little dated just simply because so many women are in porn <laughs> and, and so many women watch porn. <laughs> and that's kind of the funny thing. So, 
again, using race, because this is, this is where it's seen more clearly, Larry Elder, who is a black guy, just ran for governor of California and uh, lost. And he lost to the hegemony. He lost to the white guy. All the critical, <laughs> all the critical race theory voted for the white guy. But <laughs> when they were when they were attacking Larry Elder, they said he was the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> that no joke. There was an article in the L.A. Times that was the headline of this article. And I tell you, man, they 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 get duped every time. Those people in Cali, man, they get Which tricked like every time. One of the most overtly racist <laughs> article headlines. right on right on the paper <laughs> that I've we're, ever seen. We're racist. <laughs> 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 from the LA Times, which thinks that they're like the most anti-racist people ever. That's right. But anyway, th that, Girl, that that black guy from South Central, man, he's pretty white. <laughs> it's like who wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> so that that aside, what people like Robert Jensen and these people that attack Larry Elder, what they think is they think that because people are growing up in a society that is just so dominated. They can grow up, and even though they're women, they can grow up supporting the patriarchy. And actually, what people said about Larry Elder, the reason why they said he was the black face of white supremacy, is they were saying that people like er Larry Elder are what we want the most. We want to indoctrinate um, the most amount of people to do that, because then, th again, this is them speaking, not me, then the white supremacists can say, Oh, well, you see, we're not racist because we're supporting Larry Elder. Right. Even though Larry Elder is supporting all their white supremacist views. So in the same way, uh, Robert Jensen can look at it and say, well, yeah, there's all these women who are uh, in the porn industry and they're running it now, but they're supporting the patriarchy. Right. They right? don't know. They don't know better. They don't know better. They're dumb. So they, they've been institutionalized That's by right. the system. That's right. And now they are the the woman face of the patriarchy. They are the female face of the patriarchy. Right. And that's that's how he would look at that. Yes. And so um, he says the phrase commercial sexual exploitation in the title of this inquiry is crucial because it keeps the focus on the reality of women's experiences. The term sex industry commonly used by pornography supporters and apologists obscures the nature of the exchange. Pornography, along with prostitution, stripping, massage parlors, escort services, is centri centrally about men buying and selling objectified female bodies for sexual pleasure. That's why I use the term sexual exploitation industries. Now, now this is what you would see um, in a male-dominant society. Right. Uh, this is not something that would be a shocker, meaning in a in a in a patriarchal. Uh, male-dominated society, this is what you would see. Right. But yeah. it begs another question. Wouldn't you see the opposite in a matriarchy <laughs> or in a female-dominated society? Right, that men are the strippers or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. What if it was, I mean, if you just flipped it again yeah. and you said we need to be more, m we have to be more on the matriarchal side. Right. Or And by the way, a couple <laughs> things, a couple points on that. The first one is, uh, I don't know if he's going to interact with it, but what a feminist would say. So, again, I'm speaking for the feminist. I believe what I'm about to say they would agree with. So this is a feminist who agrees with the porn industry and things like that. They don't oh, look at oh, it. Oh, agrees with it. Right, agrees so with it. So a pro-porn So a pro-porn feminist. What they would say is they wouldn't look at it the way he is, that you're allowing women to be objectified by the male dominance. They would say, no— 
we're actually utilizing something to take advantage of the men. Does that make sense? So yeah. in other words, in their mind, they're like, no, we're getting ours through giving something that is natural to us and that is abundant to us. And we're actually taking something far more valuable from the men who are being duped. So <laughs> in other words, like we are the ones actually in power. We're utilizing our sexuality to empower ourselves and to take from the men their money and their resources by utilizing our bodies. And that's really popular just in pop culture. That's right. You know, just like we're going to get ours. That's right. So yeah. in their minds, they're not like, oh, I'm being objectified. In their mind, they're like, no, I'm objectifying you. Yeah, what's that called? There's like a name of that where a woman um, is it picks up a sugar daddy or something. Right, and right. She, she's using that <laughs> right. that older man right. for his money. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, it, and, and it's an exchange. Right. You know, and that's that's, you know, you know, again, Robert Jensen sees that exchange as being something that's rooted in a oppressive nature against women. Right. So even though you could flip it and say, well, isn't she oppressing the guy? Right. So she's she taking money from him. Right. Yeah. So he's using her for her beauty and sexual pleasure. She's using him for his money and resources. So who's getting the better end of the deal? And the feminist who's in support of porn would say, we're getting the better end of the deal, right? We're giving something that's easy to us, it's cheap to us, and we're getting something that's real and tangible and that we could use to shape the world. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how they would look at it. And another way that they could look at it is, I want this actually gives me pleasure to be um, objectified by the male. In other words, when the man is looking at me and he sees me as being beautiful and it's making him lust, I feel more empowered and that actually turns me on. So the idea, like a woman who would dress in scantily clad clothing, her in her mind, she's not thinking like, and this is, a, this is one who would be a, a very intelligent woman, like a very intelligent, like feminist woman who's dressing in scantily clad clothing and is being uh, ogled by a lot of men. In their mind, they're like, but that's what I want, right? I want them to lust after me because that makes me feel more sexual and powerful. And it actually gives me sexual pleasure to be wanted or desired passionately by all these Yeah, and, and I wonder if that, if like, if what he thinks is that, you know, that, um, you know, attractiveness is, is patriarchal. Right. You know, is seeing people attractive and wanting something from them, uh, wanting the attraction that they hold, right. um, is that something that's simply patriarchal? Right. Or is that just uh, just us as human beings? And that, that would be another hard sell to yeah. him because it's like, okay, well, why do you think that Magic Mike, you know, the movie in Hollywood, pulled in like hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office, right? These aren't movies that are promoting like female sexuality. This is male sexuality. It's a whole movie. It's a whole series actually about male strippers, right? So it's like if the idea is, well, that's only a facet of men to boil someone down, to reduce someone down to their pure sexuality and take gratification out of it. It's like, well, but women do it too. So that can't just be a male trait. That has to be a human trait. But someone like him, because he, he sees the world through a different lens, he would say, these women are so oppressed by the patriarchy that they've become a part of it. Right. They're so inundated in it 
that they've actually tricked themselves into thinking like men, but they're not. That's not their natural state. That's that's how powerful the patriarchy is, though, that it's actually uh, institutionalized these women and manipulated them into acting this way. Yeah. So he he he's thinking that in this article that if you if you just subscribe to his version of feminism, then you'll see everything really clearly. Right. And we're saying that actually, if you see things probably biblically, if you do see things biblically, you actually take it even a step further right. than what he's saying. You're saying, hey, you know, there's not just an issue with male issues here. There's issues with female issues as well. And there's right. something even rooted that goes underneath uh, all of the male female um, paradigms. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, what I wonder, too, about this is there's no win um, in this situation. Like, for instance, I think of like when you th talk about male dominance institutionalized. I is sex institutionalized male dominance because men have a penis and have to put it into a vagina to have children? Is that institutionalized male dominance? Yeah, I mean, and, and what I mean by that is, is it dom? Is it because the man has to inject his semen into a woman? Is that considered dominant um i guess my point is is like when you look at just biologically like what a male does to have sex and procreate is that something that you see as and this is this would be a question i guess is do you see that as male dominance um you know like for instance when a male a horny dog uh, wants to mount uh, the female dog, is that male dominance? Is that what you're calling male dominance? Because if you call that male dominance, then uh, we're kind of poop out of luck. We're kind of like, okay, well then um, maybe we shouldn't have sex at all. Like that's That's kind of one of the more difficult things of what our society is going through and that's why in the feminist movement they had to support things like birth control and abortion uh, is because God like whether you say those differences exist or not God has hardwired your biology to function in a very particular way and the very fact that as you said the man goes into the woman and the very fact that the woman then has to carry the child and while she's carrying the child and nurturing the child and giving birth to the child raising the child she is disadvantaged from her male counterparts from being able to move up the corporate ladder or to move into various areas of the world they would look at that and say well that that is something we need to resist we need to move away from biology because right. biology is oppressive yeah and that's what i'm getting at is that it, it starts seeming it seems like we're it, you know it's it, it's weird you know are we animals because if we're animals, if you say we're just evolved animals, then why, we, wh why, I mean, why don't you look at a lion mounting a lioness and say, that's dominance. Right. That's wrong. It's the patriarchy. That's the patriarchy right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, lions are still you know, patriarchal. The way you mount her, you know what I mean? That's yeah. dominant, you know, kind of thing. Why, why would you look at the way humans mount, you know, have sex to, um, to, to ha for progeny and look at that as dominant and you know and I, I, I my mind goes in very 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 interesting 
ways when I think about this. Um, um, you know, because to me, there's something rooted, there's something going on, like, and, and, and how people in this movement, the feminist movement, the anti-porn feminist movement, is, are, are they against penises? Are they, is, are they, are they against the penis? Are they against th how sex is done? Maybe not in anymore if they're in the trans, because you know some women have penises. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Know? That's right. And 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 the other thoughts is the the other thought is um, you know sex in pornography is is very interesting. Like sex before pornography, the modern porn world that we live in um, was very we would say dominated male dominance. So before the porn industry became popular, I think most of us, if we went back in time, like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, <laughs> and we hung out, you know, during the ages, we would look at a lot of cultures and go, wow, they seem very male dominant in their sex lives. Right. You know? Right, where, you know, and there's a, there's a reason for that. I, I said that there's a reason why certain cultures were matriarchal and then that there were certain cultures that were patriarchal. The reason why the vast majority of cultures were patriarchal is because in ancient times, before all this prosperity, when you were living, you were living in a very dangerous environment. Uh, danger from the elements, danger from nature, danger from animals, and danger from neighboring tribes and peoples that would try to conquer you and kill you. Because of that, men were promoted to leadership so that men could fight, right? So men became the warriors, they became the people that would brave these elements. Women were not designed by God to be as strong or as efficient when it comes to violence and things like that. Uh, now, there's positives and negatives to that. The positives are is that men become naturally stronger than females. This is not debatable, right? If you go uh, across the Olympics, why is there male and female sports? Is because if you let the females compete with the men, there would be no females and in there, the Olympics. And there's some really interesting videos right now of male females going at it together, and man. Um, yeah, check them out. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 pretty. Uh, the differences are amazing. Right, they're big, massive. There's a there's a website. I think it's called Boys versus Women, and it's where you know junior junior high or high school sports teams play professional female sports teams and beat them. And there's they're all over. So these are not like professional male sports teams. It is high school varsity guys going up against professional female athletes and winning. So God has designed our bodies different because he had different roles in mind. This is the idea of complementarianism, that I wouldn't look at the fact that men are naturally stronger than women and say, aha, men are better. But on the same token, I wouldn't look at the fact that women are more nurturing and emotionally intelligent and competent when it comes to things like compassion and even organization and say, aha, women are better. No, we have different roles in society and because in more dangerous times, the male roles were considered more important, yeah. men tended to rule. Yeah, and so so when we talk about patriarchy, uh, you know, we really have, you're, what you're doing is you're looking at the past and you're going, hey, how did things develop into what you're calling patriarchy? Right. You know, they are, are, are what we're calling patriarchy, is that just the natural progression of, you know, the lion does this, right. the lioness does that. Right. You know, it's a part of their makeup. It's part of their biology. It's what they do. And it's best for them. 
And what I find interesting is when he says, you know, commonly used by pornographer supporters and apologists obscures the nature of the exchange pornography along with prostitution stripping. They're, um, you know, this this kind of male dominant of wanting the woman. The interesting thing is that pornography is has brought about over the years, which is it might be exactly the opposite, mm -hmm. meaning it's might have brought about the idea that women could actually be on top. Right. You know. And, um, yeah, I said that kind of quiet, but, you know, be on top, yeah. you know, meaning a woman could maybe enjoy, dominate, right. um, you know, sexually. Right. And if there's anything, you know, pornography does is it shows a variety right. of sexual ways, if right. you will. And this is the poison of humanity and what the Bible seeks to dispossess us of. So the idea is we look at power. So people who are egalitarian look at power itself as the problem. We need to get rid of all hierarchical structures and everyone just needs to be totally even and equal in every aspect. Uh, but the people who are matriarchal and patriarchal are like, no, the problem isn't the power. The problem is who's wielding the power. Because if we got the power, we would do things the right way, you know, and that's the idea. The Christian perspective is that men are fallen and power is seductive. And unless you have checks, unless you have things in your life that are preventing you from going down the path of power, of disrupting you and destroying you, it will do that. Uh, I'm reading in the book of First Samuel right now, and it's so sad like I, do, I, I don't I never remember how sad Saul's story is where I'm at the beginning of his story and he was such a good guy <laughs> like when you read the beginning of his story like this dude was actually a really good guy like he's probably a dude that I would be friends with you know he's got humility you know he doesn't want to be the king he's like looking for his sheep for his dad you know and then even when he becomes the king he's like really cool he's like man I'm gonna chop up this cow and I'm going to mail it to everybody and in all of Israel we're going to come together we're going to fight this threat he's like doing everything right but then over time the power gets to his head and he becomes this arrogant delusional guy who ends up becoming murderous and a tyrannical dictator and that's the problem God sees that the problem with men is how we look at leadership and the second you think of leadership as being superior I am leading because I am superior it is poisoning you where in the hierarchy of God, the father being the head is never seen by the father as being I'm superior to the son and the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it's my way all the time. Look at the words of the father in the New Testament. He always uses his power to glorify the son. Always. Every single time you see the father acting or the father speaking in the whole of the New Testament it is to utilize that power and authority to benefit his son. Always. He never utilizes his power sheerly to benefit self. And unfortunately, that's, I mean, well, fortunately, that's how men were supposed to rule. And that's how power was supposed to be seen by everyone within the structure of humanity. But that's not how we see it. We don't see leadership as a way to sacrifice for the benefit of another we see leadership as an ability to get what we want at the expense of the other. And it doesn't matter what gender you put at the top. They're going to do the same thing. Yeah, something is deeper. There's something deeper that is wrong. And I, I love being in Tucson mm -hmm. because in Tucson, we have a lot of Latino culture. And Latino culture, 
is pretty matriarchal, right? If you don't think it's matriarchal, you don't know too many Latinos, right? There's, it's actually got a lot of matriarchal uh, uh, thought processes and practical living that are built into it, mm. where usually it is the strong Latino woman who's like over the family doing everything and in control of the way people act and behave. And that's an important thing to understand, where again, it's not the power, it, that's the problem. It's how people look at the power, how they view the power, and how they manipulate it to their own ends. Mm. So I don't think anyone who sees the Latino structure and says, oh, well, look at how much better relationships work when women are in charge, right? They have different problems, but they still have problems. Right, they still got the issues. Right. You know, yeah, so, you know, you, 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 you know whenever you target a certain industry too, um, you know, there's always going to be some issues with that, I, I think. And I think that's what, you know, the problem Robert Jensen's running into mm. is, of course, this is, he says, you know, these are um, men buying and selling and objectify female bodies for sexual pleasure. And sure, there's a, a ton of that. I would agree with him right. that this, this happens way massively and this is a problem, but it's not just a male problem. And, and fixing this is not, uh, fixing this with, men alone is it's a human problem right you know we'll object will objectify in many ways not sexually but uh, other ways financially right we'll exploit in every kind of way right will um you know many women might uh gain their power through control through manipulation um you know things like that through different avenues but um you get my idea. Right. That there's many ways to go about this. So he says, that's why I use the term, uh, uh, let's go into the last paragraph. He says, I came to this understanding later in life as a young man. I had uh, liberal pro-pornography views and mocked a feminist critique that I didn't really understand. But when I used pornography, I always felt unsettled. At some level, I think um, I knew that my tying my own sexual pleasure to the use of objectified female bodies was as odds with my best self, which is an interesting term, huh? My best self. Right. Well, if they're best self, there must be a better self. Right. <laughs> I mean, if there's the best, I mean, what exactly, you know, what is the best self? Right. And this is something where that sentence, if you just ejected that sentence from all the philosophy that comes around it, I would actually totally agree with Robert Jensen there hmm. that if I treat my sexuality, again, we're talking about power, if I treat my sexuality as a means to get what I want at the expense of somebody else, in including taking their image, their picture, whatever, to just gratify what I want sexually in the moment, that is not going to make me my best self. The difference is for the Christian is we have an actual blueprint for what the best self looks like and what it's supposed to emulate, and it's supposed to emulate Christ. For Robert Jensen, the best self is very subjective, right? Uh, there is uh, the best self in terms of what? He might be more powerful if he embraced certain facets of greed, corruption, maybe even manipulation. He might be more hospitable to others if he were to give up some of his authorities and prerogatives and maybe even his pursuits of in intelligence as a professor, right? You could be better in varieties of areas and by sacrificing other areas. But the question you have to ask is, what makes you best, right? What are the best areas to sacrifice for? And what are the worst ones? From a purely subjective worldview, it's just whatever you want, right? Whatever sounds best to you. 
from the Christian perspective, we actually do have a structure where we look at and say, this is better to sacrifice on the altar for that. Mm. It is better to sacrifice success for personal relationships. It's better to sacrifice even personal relationships for a relationship with God mm. and moral structure. I love, in his last point, he says, a feminist critique of the sexual exploitation industries for me and the feminist I have worked with, part of an expansive critique of all forms of power, um, are so routine, routinely abu uh, abused. Um, activists in the movement to challenge commercial sexual exploitation also highlight abuses of power in all forms around us. And he gets into racism, economic uh, inequality, global exploitation, militarism. So you can see there's this whole world view that's being shaped right. um, of these power structures. And um, it's, so it's all part of one larger pro progressive ecological critique of a legitimate concentrations of power. Mm. So the patriarchal m ideology is definitely loaded into um, a, a worldview. Mm. You would say it's a worldview. Right. And it says, um, um, then he says something that I do think is important. He says, pornography's defenders typically respond with, well, if you don't like porn, don't watch it. Indeed, many people choose not to watch it, but no one can escape an increasingly porno pornographic culture. Choosing not to watch pornography doesn't eliminate the harms created by an industry that does worst for women. But he talks about people um, not wanting to change, he says, out of fear and denial. He says, I think this ideology-driven rejection of such a compelling analysis, meaning of what he's giving, an analysis, rejecting it, is the result of fear and denial. And But, I, but we could say that about him. We could say that about, you know, saying anybody who doesn't have a biblical worldview is the result of fear and denial. Right. I mean, that's something that can just... You know, you anybody could say that right. about, you know, anybody who's in uh, opposition to your ideology. You could say, well, you don't want to believe me because of fear and denial. Right. Well, you know, and, <coughs> you know, the, instead of really looking at, well, what is really true? Right. And again, you know, I've heard Christians, conservatives make this argument before, and it, it doesn't do what I think they want it to do. So a good example of this is there is a site, uh, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but basically it's a site that allows people to produce their own pornography. It allows them to uh, utilize just webcams and stuff like that to film themselves. And it's only, it's not just for that, but it is some a facet of the site and a very big facet of the site, by the way, where women and men can just set up their webcam, they can go about their life, they can strip, they can have sex, whatever, and then people send in money to watch them do these things. They like subscribe almost to their channel. And they took away, for a while, they took away the ability for people to promote sexual stuff like that. They took away the pornographic aspect of the site. And there was immediate backlash, especially from feminists, who were like, here are these moms, here are these women who are just trying to make it, and they're getting all this money from being able to utilize the site and you're taking that away from them. Now, th this is my point. When people say the porn industry is abusive or oppressive to women, you have an idea, and like you said, it's kind of an old-fashioned idea of these sleazy Hollywood dudes who are, you know, 
old and fat. And, and there's just, definitely plenty of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are bringing in these women with starry eyes, wanting to make it in Hollywood. And they're like, I need you to do these films first. Right. And they're exploiting them and they're using them and they're taking advantage of them and they're putting them in situations that the girl doesn't want to be in. They're being abused. They're being mistreated. Right. Does that stuff happen? Yes. Was it? And do we think that it shouldn't happen? Absolutely. But the problem is, is that what he's saying is not actually going to, if everyone took him seriously, it wouldn't destroy pornography. It would just regulate the industry. It would say these practices are bad. The, the, pra the porn itself isn't bad, but these practices of utilizing women in this way, we just need to give them more autonomy. We need to give them more power over the way they use their sexuality. Yeah, maybe have them run the co the companies. Let them run the companies. They run more. the companies. That's right. Or or to be able to promote themselves on sites like these, where they can just run everything themselves, and right. they, they're not beholden to anyone else. So, uh, I think that woman that we talked about, where she was talking about intersectional sexuality, yeah, uh, that was what her point was. Is she was like, we need to destroy uh, a lot of these big name porn industries. We need to take them down, allow people to be, allow the women in the industries to have more power and allow people to have more self-produced pornography. So her ideas wasn't, let's take down pornography. It was regulated in this very specific way. So absolutely, you know, you and I talk often about how we are totally in favor of regulating pornography. I think a lot of the practices are very, very bad. Destroying pornography, though, is something that we really struggle with. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's difficult for me as a Christian to say we as a country should outlaw pornography. There are things that can be taken advantage of by the government once you give them that level of power. So it's not that I don't want to see the industry it be destroyed. It's that, A, I don't think the government can be trusted with that level of power and authority. And B... It will probably be exactly what happened with prohibition. Right? We mentioned prohibition earlier in the show. I think that would be the more natural result where what you would do is you would instead empower a lot of these people that would abuse women and traffic them and do horrible things with the women that are not being regulated at all. They would start being the major producers of pornography in this country. Mm. And that's not what we would want. Yeah. So I, 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 I think when he says, I think this ideological driven rejection of such a compelling analysis is the result of fear and denial. Um, again, I still think that anybody, you know, you could always make that case no matter what ideology you have. If someone rejects your ideology, you could say that. Right. And, um, and he says, the fear is an understandable reaction to how intensely cruel and de degrading pornography has become. It can be frightening to look at how the abuse of women has become routine sexual entertainment. The denial of how deeply embedded in everyday life, including our sexual lives, the sexual norms of patriarchy are. A denial of the brutality of the sexual exploitation industries is rooted in a fear of what a feminist critique reveals about all our lives from global politics to most intimate spaces in our lives. You know, so that's kind of how. We, and, uh, you know, I mean, again, there's a lot there to unpack, you know, but you see that patriarchy has, uh, or within itself, it's a full-blown worldview. Right. This feminist anti-patriarchy 
perspective. It, it you know, this, you know, um, idea does get into your intimate life. Um, it does want to um, change the way people think of sex or have sex um, or their sexuality. What that exactly looks like, how much would they be willing to have global politics get involved in the intimate affairs of our lives? Mm. Um, I, we're probably seeing some of that right now yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And th this is the interesting interesting thing about all this you know jordan peterson talks a lot about this he's done probably the most research of anyone that i'm aware of on this topic of men versus women kind of um roles and perspectives throughout societies but he, he makes a really interesting point he said if you really want men and women to be equal in all outcomes right if you really want a world in which they're equal in all outcomes you're going to need a lot of government pressure because what, what you see when you go into countries where the government is not involved at all, like Sweden, Norway, some of these different countries like that, when the government is like, you have totally equal rights, everything you want to do is okay, whatever. You don't see the gap between what men and women naturally want to do shrink. You see it widen a great deal. So he said women in these countries, they're dominating in areas like nursing, teaching, things like that. But when it comes to engineering, they're almost non-existent. They're way, way more disproportionate than our country. Why? Because our country is putting pressure on young women saying, if you want to be a successful woman, you need to do these things. Don't do what you naturally want to do. Do these things instead. And it also has shrunk the population in terms of maternity. Women actually having children. There's, there's far fewer women who are actually having children or wanting to have children at any point in their life. That is because our country is actually pressuring women not to do these things. So again, when you have a worldview and you say this is better, what you better be sure that it's actually better, right? Because <laughs> you're, you're making a point and if all you're doing is just saying it's better because it's better than this crappy thing that we've had, that still doesn't necessarily make it better. It just means it's different and by definition better in certain areas doesn't mean it's going to be better across the board so we need to be careful about that yeah so what a cool podcast what a great article a lot of good stuff to think about and talk through so we hope you guys dug it we'll talk to you next time check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series take flight and love or lust you can also send us questions on twitter at running light or on our runninglight.org podcast page like us on facebook at running light ministries psalm 36 8 they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures <laughs>